Hey guys, massive announcement, massive announcement. But first, I want to tell you, thank you guys so much for checking out Free Week. It was such a big success. So many of you guys came in more than before, and we thank you for checking out the content that we deliver. I know you guys love the free previews of every single game, breaking down all the players, all their matchups, all the opponents to help you with fantasy, to help you with betting, to help you with DFS, to help you with props. All the other articles as well that were on the site, remember, we do these articles and they're up early in the week. We already have articles for every single game for week 12, previewing all of the games. It's Wednesday morning, but all these articles are already out for you. Individual game breakdowns going to help you with betting, props, everything. In addition to that, we already have five betting picks for next week. Now, we gave you a sneak preview of some of our betting picks. We didn't give you our college. That went 12-3 and last week. We didn't give you all of our props. We gave you a few props. Had a great day on Monday. Gave you stuff for betting the NFL last Sunday. Guess what? Five picks for this week already are out. In addition, we have multiple games for Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving props already out as well. And I know a lot of you are asking, what's the best deal that we've got right now to get back on board? Because you loved free weekend, you want to get back on board. Instead of replying to all of you, I thought I'd just record this message for you and do this. We are going to give you 62% off everything at the site. That's right. Huge announcement. Stop what you are doing. For a limited time only, you're going to get 62% off anything at the website with the code SHARP62. Why 62? Is that an arbitrary number? No, it's not an arbitrary number. 62% is the combined win percentage of my NFL computer totals plus college totals this year. Add them together, 62% win rate on the season. That's what you're going to get off the website. So go to the website now, Sharp62. You know what that gives you for the rest of the season? It basically gives you a free month. 62% off the website basically gives you a free month. We gave you a free week. Now we're giving you just over a free month. 4.3 weeks here is what Sharp62 will save you over the course of the rest of the season. Get that rest of the season subscription, lock it down, game previews, betting picks, props, everything. Use the all access and use Sharp62. Do it now before it expires. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have a blast. Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McChrystal. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan underscore McChrystal. We've got a special Thanksgiving edition of the podcast for you this week. But before we dive into that, be sure to subscribe to the Sharp Angles podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. Within that feed, we've got four weekly podcasts. There's the Sharp Waiver and Injury Show with Todd Burrows, Tucker Bagley, and Curtis Hirsch. Sharp Angles with Dan Pizzuta and Rich Rebar. And of course, the Sharp Angles Fantasy Show with Rich Rebar and his weekly guest. And also, if you're into getting your uh, football coverage on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to Warren Sharp on YouTube for fantasy football insight, matchup previews, in-depth stats, all the different types of analysis we give you, and much more there. Now, let's start to dive into some of the Thanksgiving props. As I said, this is going to be a special all-Thanksgiving version of the betting podcast, and I'm going to give you a few props from each game. And so before we dive into that, just wanted to give out a little bit of a disclaimer I've got four or five props for you on each of these three games. So, you know, normally we're not going to bet four or five props from every game on the slate. This is a unique situation. We're all going to be sitting around watching football all day. So I wanted to be sure that I gave you plenty of stuff to choose from for these games. Keep in mind, if I'm choosing this many props on a given day, my confidence level 
in these across the board is going to be a little bit lower than normal. So I personally am going to place bets on all of these, but I'm just going to place a little bit less than usual because, you know, it's partially just for fun on a day like this when we're sitting around watching football. I just want to have a little bit of action out there, even if my confidence level isn't as high. So I'll, I'll point out which ones, which of these props I do have like a, a normal amount of confidence in, something that I might bet on a normal week. But keep in mind, most of these are stuff that in a normal week, I would probably consider it more of a lean, probably pass on it. Um, but because we're sitting around watching football all day, of course, we want to have a little bit of extra action on a day like this. So let's just dive right in now. I'm going to go game by game here. So let's start out with Bills and Lions, the early game. And let's start out talking a little bit of Josh Allen. I'm going to be on the over on his longest rush and long and most in his rushing yards prop in this game. His longest rush prop is available at 17 and a half. It's a little higher than I was hoping for, but I'm still going to be on it because I think this is a good opportunity for him. Then his rushing yards prop is available at 42 and a half. I feel more confident about the rushing yardage prop um, in this case than the longest rush because that 17 and a half number, as I said, is a little, a little bit high. Um, in games that Buffalo has won by a touchdown or more, Josh Allen has the over on his longest rush in only two of five games. So there's a not as strong of a trend there, but I do think that we can still go ahead and bet that in this game because even though we think it's going to be an easy win for the Bills, the Lions offense is very capable. So the Bills are going to have to score points to win in this matchup. So I don't think that's going to be a case where they can just kind of take it easy and cruise to an easy win. I do think Buffalo's offense has to put forth a pretty good effort to outscore a good Lions offense. Now, Josh Allen's rushing yards, this is this is really a matchup-based situation for me here as far as his um, his rushing total in this game. I, would, I wanted to look at opponent-adjusted rushing yards allowed to get a better feel for the Lions. And I've mentioned opponent-adjusted stats on the podcast before. If you haven't heard it, basically what I'm doing is I'm looking at what in this case, what a quarterback's rushing yards per attempt were against the Lions and what his rushing yards per attempt were against everybody else to see what kind of boost he gets against the Lions and, you know, do this for all the teams in the league. And pretty startling <laughs> number here. If you just looked at the Lions rushing game log quarterbacks against the Lions, you notice that they have given up a lot of rushing yards, but you might also notice they've played. Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, some guys with a with some mobility. So you would expect them to give up some rushing yards to those guys. Everyone's going to give up rushing yards. Guys like especially guys like Fields, Hurts, Jones. They're they're they've had some good rushing games this year. But even accounting for that with this opponent adjusted rushing yards allowed, the Lions have given up 70% more rushing yards than expected. So they have been exceptionally bad at defending quarterbacks who take off running. That's the worst rate in the league. That's 70% above expected. It's the worst rate in the league. Now let's just go through those quarterbacks that I mentioned because obviously they have faced some guys who are very willing to take off running. And as good as those guys are, they've seen a substantial boost against Detroit. So Justin Fields, he averaged 11.3 yards per carry against the Lions. He's averaging 6.3 against everybody else. Jalen Hurts, 5.3 against Detroit. 3.8 against everybody else. Daniel Jones, 7.1 against Detroit, 5.6 against everybody else. And Geno Smith, seven yards of carry against Detroit, 4.4 against everybody else. So, yes, we should have expected these guys to put up good yards against Detroit because they do it against everybody. But 
they went way beyond expectations against Detroit because they have just been so bad at defending quarterbacks. So I think that, as I said, I think that the Lions offense is going to move the ball a little bit against the Bills, and we'll get into that a little bit more in some other props. So I do think that the Bills offense has to put forth a real genuine effort here. I don't think it's just going to be a game where they cruise right out of the gates to an easy victory. I, and that usually means that Josh Allen is going to be involved in the run game. If they're, you know, if they're fighting to put up points and feel like they need to, they need to put up a good number on the scoreboard. Josh Allen is going to be heavily involved in that. And so I think this is a great opportunity uh, to bet the over on Josh Allen's rushing yards at a relatively modest 42 and a half. He's gone way beyond that in quite a few games this year. So I think this is a really good opportunity. Uh, the rush, Josh Allen's rushing yards prop is one that I would bet in a normal week. So as I said, I'll, I'll try to highlight those where I do have a, a standard level of confidence. Longest rush, that's probably one that I'm only betting based on based on this matchup just based on this you know big day where we're sitting down watching football want to have some extra action uh, but the rushing yards prop that is one of the, my favorites of the day now I, I do want to mention josh allen's injury obviously this is you know something that should be in the back of our mind um he's dealing with an elbow injury but my understanding of it from what i've read is that this is more of an overuse type of injury as opposed to something that they're really scared about him re-injuring on a big hit or something like that. So there's really no reason to think that they're going to scale back his usage. And I think we saw that right out of the gates when he came back, what seemed like coming back early against Minnesota two weeks ago. There, there were no noticeable restrictions on Josh Allen whatsoever. Now, last week against the Browns, he did only have three carries for seven yards, but that was a game that Buffalo really controlled from start to finish. I mean, at least beyond the first quarter, Brown jumped out to a little bit of a lead. But beyond that, we saw Buffalo control that game. And so seeing his usage dialed back there, that was more in line with a game that they really dominated. We've seen a couple other games like that. Now, that, that's, that could happen. That could happen in this game. Maybe they do jump out to a huge lead and they scale back his usage. If we lose this prop, I think that's probably the reason. But as I said, I, I have expectations of the Lions offense also putting up some points. So I don't think this is a game where Buffalo jumps out to a big first quarter lead and Josh Allen takes it easy the rest of the day. I do think that he's going to have to put a good effort out there for at least three quarters or so before they pull away. All right, the next prop that I'm going to mention, I have not seen a line on this yet, but there has been a line on it uh, in recent weeks, and that's the under on DeAndre Swift's rushing yards. Now, if you've Paid attention to DeAndre Swift. Maybe you've got him on your fantasy team. You're pretty frustrated with him right now. And so you understand why I'm leaning towards the under on this prop. His usage has really been scaled back a lot. In fact, the last two weeks, Justin Jackson has played more snaps than him. So obviously we're expecting a low number here if a line does pop up. I'm hoping the line stays above 25 yards. If it does, if we do get a line above 25 yards, I'm going to be on the under. If it drops below that, I think I'll stay away at that point because then you're dropping down to a, a very, very low number where an explosive player like DeAndre Swift, you never know. He could do that in one carry. So below 25, I'm staying away. If it's available at 25 or above, I'm going to be on the under for DeAndre Swift's rushing yards. And it, the reason why I particularly like it beyond just the fact that his usage hasn't been scaled back is this is an awful matchup for him. Now, the Bills' run defense – they're kind of in the middle of the pack. They rank 16th in yards per attempt allowed to running backs, so basically exactly in the middle of the pack. But it's really interesting how they get to that place. They're allowing 0.5 yards before contact per attempt 
to running backs. That leads the league. So the Bills defense has done an exceptional job creating early contact, creating havoc in the backfield, and getting their hands on the ball carries. However, they don't always wrap guys up because they give up 3.7 yards after contact per attempt to running backs, and that ranks 31st. So they lead the league in fewest yards before contact and their second worst in yards after contact to running backs. So, you know, that ends up being putting them right there smack in the middle in terms of yards per attempt, but really, really strange way that they're getting to that middle of the pack uh, number. And so basically what this means is that different types of running backs are probably going to perform very differently against Buffalo guys that can fight through that early contact are probably going to do pretty well against them. And we've seen that a couple times this year. Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, two guys who rank near the top of the league of fighting through contact, producing yards after contact. They had very good games against the Bills. DeAndre Swift, however, that's just not his style of play. I mean, he's a guy who needs running lanes, needs the ball in space to succeed. When he's contacted within one yard of the line of scrimmage, Swift averages 1.3 yards per attempt. That ranks 52nd out of 53 qualified running backs. And even looking back throughout his career, his best year by this metric was in 2020 when he averaged 1.8 yards per attempt when contacted within one yard of the line of scrimmage. And that ranked 47th out of 63 qualified running backs that year. So it's just not his strength. He's not that type of running back. He's dangerous when he gets the ball in space. And that's why even while his usage in the run game has been scaled back, he's still seeing some opportunities in the passing game because he is dangerous when he gets the ball in space. If he does get a running lane, he can make you pay for that. But the Bills have been exceptional exceptional, and not giving running backs those opportunities and forcing them to fight through contact. And they'll let you fight through contact, but we should not expect DeAndre Swift to be the type of guy who does that. So this just really shapes up for a game where the Lions should want to scale back his usage even more. And even on the opportunities he does get, we should not expect him to do much damage. So I'm in the under on DeAndre Swift's rushing yards if we get a line at 25 or higher. Another prop I like from the Bills-Lions game is the over on Amon Ross St. Brown's receptions. Now, this number is pretty high. It's at 7.5, but it's at plus 112. So you get some the juice on your side here. And this has a lot to do with how Buffalo, um, how Buffalo lines up in coverage. They use too high coverage on 61% of opponent dropbacks, the second highest rate in the league. And based on how the Lions offense has changed a little bit since the TJ Hawkinson trade, I think that this is a really great opportunity for Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, since that trade against too high safety coverage, Amon Ross St. Brown leads the team with a 43% target share. Now, I have to give the caveat that that's not a huge sample size. Two of the teams they've played, the Giants and the Packers, they both play a very high rate of single high coverage. So we're dealing with a relatively small sample size here, but the increased usage makes a lot of sense. Part of the reason is he regularly lines up in the slot, and so that makes it easy for him to get to the middle of the field, which is where the opportunities are against two high coverages. It also makes sense if you look at the numbers prior to the trade. Now, before they traded Hawkinson, St. Brown led the team with a 20% target share versus two high coverage. Hawkinson was right behind him at 16%. And that makes sense because tight ends often see a boost in usage against two high coverages because, again, the middle of the field is where there are opportunities. Without Hawkinson out there, though, the Lions really, they no longer have a viable tight end weapon to replace him in that passing game. So he was seeing a lot of usage that just sort of like disappeared. 
There's nothing, there's, they don't have someone that can plug in and take over that. So I think those targets are going to St. Brown now. So St. Brown and Hawkinson, prior to the trade, they combined for a 36% target share. Without Hawkinson, we've seen that number for St. Brown at 43%. Maybe that's slightly elevated, but I think we can pretty safely say it's going to be much higher than it used to be at that 20% level. I think this increased usage is going to continue. And you know his increased usage overall has jumped up a lot. But because he was seeing a ton of opportunities in two high coverages, and they haven't even really faced a team that leans heavily on two high coverages until this week against the Bills, I think his usage could even jump up even higher because this is a good matchup for him. Now, another factor here is the Bills' use of zone coverage, no blitz combination. Now, we've talked about this a few other times with Buffalo and how they really trust their linebackers and safeties to just sort of drop back and keep the play and keep the play in front of them. And, you know, this increases catch rate. You're going to complete more passes against that type of defense, but they really trust their defense to keep the play in front of them and limit big plays. Now their rate, their overall rate has dropped a bit from when I've referenced it a little bit at the beginning of the season. And that probably has to do with the fact that Jordan Poyer has missed some games. Now Poyer returned last week. And obviously, also, I should mention they, they lost Micah High at the beginning of the season, remember? So those first two games of the season, they had a sky-high rate of zone coverage, no blitz combination. Then they lost Hyde. Now they've been without Poyer for a few games. That rate has dropped when Poyer is not out there. But when Poyer is on the field, they use the combination of zone coverage, no blitz at a 72% rate. So... I think in this game with Poyer back healthy, we're going to see them back to that really high rate of using that safe coverage, just trying to keep the plays in front of them. And that bodes really well for St. Brown. His catch rate against zone, no blitz is 77%. His catch rate against all other coverages is 68%. So there's going to be opportunities for St. Brown. Goff is going to just feed him the ball over and over again. I think you know, he doesn't necessarily have any big plays. He might not have a huge day from a receiving yard standpoint. That's why I'm not going to take the over on his receiving yards. But I do think he just gets peppered with targets in this game, probably sees double-digit targets. And so I like the over on his receptions at seven and a half. One last Lions prop that I like. I was surprised by this one. I like Jamal Williams as an anytime touchdown scorer. This prop's available at even money, which surprised me. I guess it's available there because... Maybe they're thinking scoring will be suppressed a little bit against this Bills defense, but I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. Just to throw some numbers behind this, opponents reach the red zone against the Bills on 30% of their drives. They're ranked 17th, so they're not necessarily an elite defense in terms of keeping teams out of the red zone. And when the Lions reach the red zone, or I'm sorry, the Lions reach the red zone on 35% of their drive, that's the fourth highest rate. So you've got... A, a defense that's middle of the pack in terms of pre preventing teams from reaching the red zone. And you got a Lions team that's really excelled at moving the ball. The offense has really been a strength of theirs this season. And when they do reach the red zone, Williams has scored a touchdown on 11 of those 37 drives. That's 30%. So when they reach the red zone, Williams himself has a 30% touchdown rate. So in a game where I do think the Lions are going to be able to move the ball, I think they're going to put up some points with this prop available at even money, I love the Jamal Williams anytime touchdown prop. Time to jump now to the next game. We've got Giants at Cowboys. First prop I like in this one is the over on Tony Pollard's rushing yards at 66 and a half. This is just a phenomenal matchup for Pollard. If When defenses give Pollard room to run, he makes a pay consistently. 
and when Pollard crosses a line of scrimmage without contact, he's averaging 8.4 yards per attempt. That's the fifth best rate in the league. And the Giants defense really struggles to create early contact. They're allowing running backs to get past the line of scrimmage without contact on 64% of their attempts, the second worst rate in the league. So we've got the fifth best running back against the second worst defense. That's a huge mismatch. Pollard should have plenty of room to run in this game. I expect him to have a big day. And now part of the another factor here is Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously, he returned last week and played after missing two games due to a knee injury. But he played last week, and now he's got coming back on a short week. It doesn't really make sense for them to try to give him a full workload. He also he only played 21 snaps last week. Because it was such a blowout, though, I don't really know how much we can read into that. Maybe that was a designed light workload for him. Maybe it was purely based on the blowout. But, you know, again, if they have an opportunity to limit his touches, I think they should. I think they probably will to try to keep him fresh for the stretch run this season. So, you know, it really makes sense. This is a great opportunity for Pollard. I think he's going to have success right out of the gate. And given the fact that Elliott has been injured, that he's been banged up, and he's on a short week, it would make a lot of sense for them to lean more heavily on Pollard than in a normal week when both of those guys are healthy. Now, we we have to acknowledge that the Cowboys don't really operate this backfield with a whole lot of common sense. Pollard should be getting the lion's share of the touches, regardless of Elliott's health, it seems like. But, you know, in this game, I think the fact that Elliott has been banged up, I think it probably will push them to using that approach. So I would expect another big day for Pollard, another light usage day for Elliott. And against you know a terrible Giants run defense, this is just a phenomenal matchup for Pollard. I think he gets past that 66 and a half yards fairly easily. Um, and this is one of those props that I would bet in a normal week anyway. This is not one that I'm only playing on Thanksgiving. Uh, I love this prop as one of my favorites of the whole week. Next up, I'm on the over on Michael Gallup's receptions, taking the over at three and a half. This has a little bit to do with the Giants' use of man coverage. They use man coverage on 47% of plays outside the red zone. That's that's outside the norm uh, for teams in the league who are really seeing a lot of zone coverage this year. And since Dak has returned to the lineup, Gallup has a 36% target share versus man coverage. He leads the league. So we have not seen Gallup's usage been all that high this season, but it does seem like when Dak sees a one-on-one matchup for him, he wants to get him the ball, and he should see those opportunities in this matchup against the Giants. So I think that there's a really good chance Gallup has a pretty good day against this Giants defense. So I'm on the over on his receptions at three and a half. Another wide receiver over I'm on in this game is the over for Darius Slayton's receptions, or I should say I think I'm going to be on the over. This line I have not seen posted yet. It's been available at two and a half or three and a half this season, though, and at either of those numbers, I'm going to be on the over. So hopefully we get an opportunity to place this bet a little bit closer to game time. And again, this one has to do with coverage matchup. Cowboys, they tend to use more two high coverages. They're not a team that plays a lot of man coverage or a lot of single high coverages. But in their last meeting against the Giants, they used two high coverage on only 18% of plays outside the red zone. And in contrast, the week before they played the Giants, they played the Bengals and used two high coverages on 68% of their snaps outside the red zone against the Bengals back when Jamar Chase was healthy for them. And that really makes a lot of sense when you think about these two offenses. They sh- they were showing respect for the Bengals' ability to challenge them downfield. And then they faced Daniel Jones and the Giants wide receivers, and they had no respect for that passing game. So I think, 
I think they're going to come out with the same approach. Sometimes teams make changes from one game to the next in these division rivalries because they're worried about teams adjusting for them. Sometimes that does happen, but I don't know why you would go back to showing respect for this the Giants downfield passing game because it's just not there. It would really make sense for them to con- continue with that same game plan of um, you know, trying to stack the box more and playing more single high coverages against this team because they just can't challenge you downfield. So if they do shift to more single high coverage, I would expect increased usage for Darius Slayton. Now I'm going to use number since week four because the beginning of the season, Slayton really wasn't, well, he just really wasn't a factor until week four. But since that time, he's seen a 14% target share against two high coverages and a 24% target share against single high coverages. So in these situations where teams shift to single high coverage, it seems like Slayton has really been the big beneficiary here. And he may get an even bigger boost in this game because right behind him since week four is Wondell Robinson with a 22% target share versus single high. So as I said, Slayton, 24%, Robinson, 22%. But now Robinson's out. He's out. I believe he was out. He's now out for the year. And so they've got to spread those targets around to somebody else. It's not like this is a deep receiving core. There's not. There's probably not somebody else who's just going to step into that 22% target share for, for Robinson. So I would think because Slayton is already seeing a good target share here and because he's performed reasonably well in those opportunities, that he probably gets a bigger boost in, in those single high situations. So this could be a game where we see Slayton maybe have a little bit of a breakout performance if they're playing single high a lot. He's seeing a lot of those targets this could be a pretty nice game for him. So I would expect more opportunities to be funneled towards Slate than usual in this matchup. And as I said, this line's not posted yet, but we have not seen it above three and a half. So hopefully we get that three and a half number and I'll be on the over on Darius Slayton's receptions. One last prop for this Giants Cowboys game. I'm going to be on the over on Daniel Jones interceptions. It's listed at 0.5. So I'm betting on Daniel Jones to throw an interception in this matchup. Now he's done a relatively good job of protecting the ball, but I think this is going to be a bad matchup for him based on the assumption again, that Dallas leans on that single high coverage because he has been significantly worse against those types of coverages over the past two seasons. Since the start of 2021, Jones is throwing an interception once every 55 attempts against single high coverage, once every 114 attempts against two high. And he has not thrown an interception against two high coverage this season. So, we think the Cowboys are probably shifting to a coverage that's going to give Jones more problems. We also know that the Cowboys are favored significantly in this game. The Giants are likely to be playing from behind, which they haven't done a ton of this year. I think that's one of the reasons why Jones' interception total is not very high because he's often he's had a lot of opportunities, a surprising amount of opportunities to play with a lead where just being safe and managing the game is really all he's being asked to do. He's playing from behind. He's going to be more aggressive. He's going to make more mistakes. Over the last two years, again, when trailing, Jones throws an interception once every 48 attempts. When winning, once every 126 attempts. So when winning, he does a good job of dialing back the aggressive tendencies and just playing smart. But when trailing, you know, through no fault of his own, he has to be more aggressive. And if he's being more aggressive, he's more likely to make mistakes. So we think that this matchup sets up to be where the game script forces him to be more aggressive and then forcing him to throw into a coverage scheme that he struggles against more. So this seems like a bad matchup for Daniel Jones. So I'm going to bet on him having at least one interception in this game. 
Now the final game of Thanksgiving, we've got Patriots at Vikings. And so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, probably know where I'm going to start things off. We're going to talk about the Patriots coverage scheme because this has been an area where we've had success. Unfortunately, we're on a losing streak, uh, but I think that's, that's, that's my fault for trusting the wrong quarterbacks. Basically what we've been doing, if you haven't been following us the past couple of weeks, is the Patriots play an extremely high rate of single high coverage. They play the league's highest rate, 78% of plays. Obviously, most teams in the league are shifting towards more two high coverages. So this is the Patriots and the Dolphins also are up there at a high rate of single high coverage. These are the two teams that are really bucking the trend to the highest degree. And so we've been able to have a bit of an advantage by trying to see who, how, how that changes how teams are going to spread the ball around. Because as we talked about earlier, against two high coverages, the middle of the field is open. You're going to see more opportunities potentially for slot receivers, definitely more opportunities for tight ends. And against single high coverage, you're going to see more opportunities on the outside, more opportunities to throw the ball downfield. So in this matchup, obviously what we want to do is we want to look at the Vikings and see how do they spread the ball around these two different coverage types because we should expect a very high rate of single high coverage in this game. And actually in this one, a couple things jump out at me. Now, actually first, before I dive into that, let's first acknowledge that we lost this trend last week. We bet the over on Garrett Wilson's receiving yards, and that was a disaster. So that's two weeks in a row where we've lost betting this trend. I think that's my fault, though, as I said, for betting on the wrong quarterbacks. Maybe I, I just shouldn't have trusted Zach Wilson last week. And the week before that, definitely should not have trusted Sam Ellinger to get the over for Alec Pierce in that matchup. So maybe we continue following this trend, but try to just be a little bit more cautious about not betting on terrible quarterbacks because – Ellinger and Zach Wilson are truly terrible quarterbacks <laughs> and Wilson seems to be getting worse, but that's a conversation for another day in this game though. I'm willing to trust Kirk cousins, R regardless of your opinions on cousins. He's a, at worst, a league average quarterback. And so I trust him to take advantage of a defense that is you know, mediocre against the pass. So I'm going to trust their trends. I think whatever their trends say they're going to do, they're probably going to be able to do against a Patriots pass defense. So as I said, there's a couple different ways where I think we can bet this. The one that I like the most, and again, this is a prop that I would bet in a normal week because I do like this trend. I'm going to bet the over on Adam Thielen's receptions at three and a half. And again, it has to do with how he sees different usage versus single high and two high coverages. Outside the red zone, Thielen's target share is 25% against single high coverage, 12% against two high. So that's all season long. We've seen a really nice boost for him against single high coverages. Now we do have to try to factor in the TJ Hawkinson trade because that has made a difference in how the ball is being spread around. So over the last three weeks since the Hawkinson trade, Thielen's target share is 22% against single high, 9% against two high. So he's seen a real slight dip in both, a three percentage point dip in both actually. Um, so it does seem to be affecting his usage a little bit, but consi still consistently seeing a really high usage in single high coverage. And so in this game where we think the Patriots are going to be living in single high coverage, I think it should be a day for you know a nice usage opportunity for Adam Thielen. And another reason why I like this is the fact that it seems to be favoring a receiver who's not going to be a focal point of the Patriots' defensive game plan. You know, I, I mentioned last week that one of the risks in betting the over for Garrett Wilson 
in that game was that he's clearly the Jets' best offensive weapon. And so the Patriots were probably entering that game trying to do whatever they could to take him away. That was the risk that we gambled on. And, of course, we lost last week. In this game, that's not a risk for us. If you're the Patriots' defense, you're going to try to take away Justin Jefferson and Delvin Cook. You're not really thinking about Adam Thielen at this point in his career. So the fact that he's the guy that sees a nice boost based on the coverage that we think we're going to see, I don't think we have too much to worry about. And that 3.5 receptions prop is available at a pretty reasonable number. So I think this is a really good opportunity to take Adam Thielen there. Now, the flip side to this is since TJ Hawkinson is in the mix now, we're also seeing a really big drop-off over the past couple of weeks in Hawkinson's usage, depending on these two target shares. Now, in three games with the Vikings, Hawkinson's target share outside the red zone versus two high coverages, it's 32% leads the team versus single high coverage, it's 11% fourth on the team. And that makes perfect sense. I mean, Hawkinson is great at finding the soft spot in zone coverage. He's exactly the type of tight end that you want to try to get him the ball when teams are in too high coverage and there's opportunities across the middle of the field. He's just going to be a really easy, reliable target for Cousins, and that has absolutely been the case. It's not an explosive weapon. He's not lighting it up if he's on your fantasy team, but he is seeing a lot of targets since he's gotten to Minnesota because Cousins seems to just have a really high level of trust with him already against those two high coverages. He's just feeding him the ball over and over. But in this game against the Patriots, he's probably not going to get those opportunities. So this is this is a tough spot for him. Now, I have a little bit less confidence in Hawkinson's prop and Hawkinson's under than I do in Thielen's over for two reasons. First of all, Hawkins, I'm, those numbers were from outside the red zone. Obviously, that's where most of the game gets played and coverage schemes get shifted a little bit once once you get inside the red zone. So it's a little bit harder to compare those numbers. But Hawkinson does consistently see red zone targets. He's already seen six targets in the red zone in his three games in Minnesota. So it's possible that his usage does get scaled back significantly outside the red zone, but maybe he still gets two or three catches in the red zone if the Vikings are having success moving the ball and spending some time in the red zone this game. So that factor lowers my confidence a little bit. The other reason I don't like it as much is that this line's available at four and a half, which I like. I, I'm If I'm betting a side on this, I'm definitely on the under, but it's at minus 155. So there's just not a ton of value in it anyway. So there's, there's a little bit of added risk because we he could just get a few red zone catches, which are harder to account for based on this trend. And then at minus 155, there's just not as much value. So I'm still going to bet it because, as I said, I'm going to bet all of these because it's fun sitting on the couch and having stuff to root for on Thanksgiving. But the the Thielen prop is the one that I much, much prefer to the Hawkinson one. If you're going to choose one or the other, go with Thielen. Now, there is one other prop that I like that's influenced, or at least partially influenced, by the Patriots' coverage schemes. That's the over on Justin Jefferson's longest receptions, longest reception at 28 and a half yards. Now, I started researching this because I was thinking I was I was leaning towards the over on Kirk Cousins' longest completion at 38 and a half yards. One of the reasons being, as we said, single high coverage means you're getting more opportunities on the outside of the field. It's easier to stretch the field. I'm thinking, you know, the Vikings like to throw the ball downfield occasionally. This could be a good opportunity for them to have a big play. And that's true. If I were going to bet Cousins' longest completion prop, I would bet the over. He has six plays this season of 39 or more yards, which would be a winner for the over. But all six are to Justin Jefferson. (laughs) So if he goes over, 
there's a very high probability it's to Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson's longest reception prop is available at 28 and a half yards. So at 10 fewer yards, we can basically bet the same thing. If Cousins goes over, it's probably to Jefferson. So let's just bet on Jefferson's over instead. He has 10 receptions that have gone over that 28 and a half number. Eight of those 10 are against single high coverage, which again makes perfect sense. Even though you know most of his opportunities are coming against two high coverages, because that's what a lot of the league plays, his big plays are coming against single high coverage. So this is definitely a good opportunity to bet on Justin Jefferson cashing in on a big play down the field against New England. So I'm on the over on Jefferson's longest reception at 28 and a half. And do not bet the over on Kirk Cousins' longest completion because it's basically the same thing except 10 yards higher. One final Thanksgiving prop for you. I'm going to be on the under on Mac Jones' longest completion. This prop is out there at 30 and a half yards. Jones has not topped this number since he returned from his ankle injury. And the reason being, since he returned, all of a sudden he's an extremely, extremely conservative passer. He doesn't throw the ball downfield. Now, I'm a little bit hesitant about this prop just because, you know, as I've talked about before, if I see a trend like this, if if there's a significant difference in how teams are playing, how a certain quarterback is spreading the ball around, I want to know why. I don't just want to know what's happening. I want to, or I should say, we don't always know why, but I at least want to have a theory as to why. And in this case, I'm not sure I have a good theory. I don't, I wouldn't think that the ankle injury would prevent Jones from being more aggressive and throwing downfield. It's not like it's an arm injury where maybe his arm strength has been affected. I, I would not think the ankle injury would have a huge impact there. And honestly, if it were, Bailey Zappi was decent. Why, if, if this were really affecting the way that you're able to call plays for Mac Jones, why was why is he out there then? But he is, and it's and we've seen you know a number of games now where he, they continue to have an extremely conservative passing game plan. Now, here are the numbers prior to the injury. Jones was throwing the ball an average of ten point two yards downfield. Since his return, five point two yards, basically cut it in half. And prior to the injury, again. of his throws were at least 15 yards downfield. Almost one out of every three throws, he was challenging defenses down the field. Since his return, 12%. A massive difference. Almost the difference between one out of three and one out of 10. It's just crazy how much it's changed. And it just doesn't really make sense. I mean, his receiving car is basically the same. There have been a couple of games where they've had some guys miss a game here or there, but there have been no significant injuries it just doesn't make sense. On the year, the Patriots have eight pass plays of 31 or more yards, which is what we would need to hit the over. And they're coming on plays downfield. Only three of those have been on throws that were less than 20 yards downfield. So if Jones isn't throwing the ball downfield, really, really unlikely that they hit the over. And, you know, when you look at their receivers too, it really makes it should really make you even more confident. Jones' most targeted receivers since coming back from injury, Ramondre Stevenson, Jacoby Myers, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Damian Harris. Not explosive guys. Jacoby Myers, certainly a guy that you can give deep targets to. If they take some shots downfield, Myers could absolutely stretch the field and come up with a big play for them. But if he's going to continue to feed those guys on shorter targets, those are not the types of receivers that are going to make a couple guys miss and break off, you know, take a 
take a quick slant and take it 40 yards. That's not their skill set. You know, Jacoby Myers, he's having a, a nice season for them, but that's just not his strength. For Myers to have a big play, they're going to have to try to get him the ball downfield. And for some reason, they're not doing it. I, as I said, I don't really know why. I don't have a good theory as to why it has changed so much, but that's how it's playing out. And so until we see them change that game plan, I think the under on Mac Jones' longest completion is maybe something we should keep an eye on both this week and in future weeks because if they're not throwing downfield, they're not going to hit the over very often. So that's it for all the props. Obviously, we hit a bunch this week, a lot more than usual. So I'm going to run through them game by game just in case you want a quick recap all in one place. For the Bills-Lions game, when the over on Josh Allen's longest rush, over on his total rushing yards, the rushing yards one is my more confident one of those two. I'm also on the under on DeAndre Swift's rushing yards if this gets posted at 25 or less. That line has not been posted yet. I'm also on the over on Amon Ross St. Brown's receptions, and I'm on Jamal Williams' anytime touchdown prop. In the Giants-Cowboys game, over on Tony Pollard's rushing yards, over on Michael Gallup's receptions, over on Darius Slayton's receptions if we get it at three and a half or lower. That's another one that has not been posted yet. Also, over on Daniel Jones' interceptions. And finally, in Patriots-Vikings, I'm on the over on Adam Thielen's receptions, under on TJ Hawkinson's receptions, over on Justin Jefferson's longest reception, and under on Mac Jones' longest completions. That's it for this week's show. Hope you all have a fun and profitable Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.